Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on turning stress, worry, and anxiety over to God. So when you're overcome with anxiety, stress, and loss, more than ever, you need to turn to God. He is your ever-present help in times of trouble. The Bible recommends taking everything to Him in prayer. So how do we overcome fear, anxiety, and worry? Anxiety is a natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and His will for us by Billy Graham. When Billy Graham wrote those words in 1965, no one knew how true they would be 50 years later. At its best, anxiety distracts us from our relationship with God and the truth that He is Lord of heaven and earth out of Matthew 11.25. At its worst, anxiety is a crippling disease, taking over our minds and plunging our thoughts into darkness. But God wants so much more for us than to walk through life full of fear, worry, and anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians chapter 4. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our instructions don't stop there. The chapter goes on to tell believers exactly what we should focus on, and it's not fear, terrorism, illness, death, or evil. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, praise these things. And God of peace will be with you out of Philippians 4, 8, 9. The first step to an anxiety-free mind is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Once you've taken that step, it's important to fix your thoughts on Jesus and the promise that he is preparing a place for his followers in heaven out of John 14, 2 and 3. Rick Warren writes, To live free of fear, surrender to God. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, Where God's love is, there is no fear, because God's perfect love drives out fear. How do you learn to live in God's love so that you can live free of fear? Every day, you have to surrender your heart to God. When you wake up each morning before your feet hit the floor, you have to say, God, before I even start this day, I surrender my emotions to you. I want you to be Lord of my feelings. I want you to control my mind and my emotions. I surrender my heart to you. I want you to fill me with your love. Job 11:13-18 says, Surrender your heart to God, turn to him in prayer, and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Then you won't be ashamed. You will be confident and fear less. Your trouble will go away like water beneath a bridge, and your darkest night will be brighter than noon. You will rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. We find three commands and eight promises in that verse. God says, if you do this, then he'll do that. Every promise has a premises. First, he gives you the commands. Surrender your heart to God every day. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins or confess your sins to God. Then notice the eight benefits. You won't be ashamed. You'll be confident. You'll be fearless. Your troubles will be like water under the bridge. The dark night you're going through is going to be brighter than noon. 
You'll be able to sleep well because you are safe and secure. You will be filled with hope and you'll be emptied of worry. Wow, who wouldn't want to experience those benefits? You ought to write that scripture on an index card and put it somewhere you'll see it throughout the week. Let it remind you to do those three things. Surrender your heart to God, turn Him in prayer, and confess your sins. So that God's love will fill you, fill your life and cast out all your anxiety and fear. Try it this week and then watch how God fulfills His promise as He fills you with His love. So as Christians, how do we deal with stress? In reference from Mary Fairchild, she states five healthy ways to deal with stress as a believer. Everyone deals with stress at some point, and Christians are not immune to the pressures and pitfalls of life. Stress tends to hit us when we're overtired, when we're sick, and when we're outside of our safe and familiar environment. When we've taken on too many responsibilities during times of grief and tragedy, when our circumstances spin out of control, we feel stressed, and when our basic needs are not being met, we feel threatened and anxious. For most Christians, share the belief that God is sovereign and in control of our lives. We believe He has given us everything we need for living. So when stress dominates our lives, somewhere along the way we have lost our ability to trust in God. That's not meant to imply that a stress-free existence in Christ is easy to obtain. Far from it. Maybe you've heard these words from another Christian in one of your moments of stress. What you need to do, bro, is just trust God more. If only it was that easy, right? Stress and anxiety for a Christian can take on many different shapes and forms. It can be simple and subtle as slowly backsliding away from God or as de debilitating as a full-blown panic attack. Regardless, stress will wear us down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We need to be armed with a plan for dealing with it. So let's talk about five healthy ways to deal with stress as a Christian. One, we need to recognize the problem. If you know something as is seriously wrong, the fastest way to the solution is to admit you have a problem. Sometimes it's not easy to admit you're barely hanging on by a thread and can't seem to manage your own life. Recognizing the problem requires honest self-evaluation and humble confession. Psalm 32.2 says, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Once we can deal honestly with our problems, we can begin to get help. And number two, give yourself a break and get help. Stop beating yourself up. Here's a newsflash. You are human, not super Christian. You live in a fallen world where problems are inevitable. The bottom line, we need to turn to God and turn to others for help. Now that you've identified the problem, you can take steps to care for yourself and get the appropriate help. If you're not getting enough rest, take time to restore your physical body. Eat a proper diet, get regular exercise, and start learning how to balance work, ministry, and family time. You may need to find a support system of friends who have been there and understand what you're going through. If you're sick or working through a loss or tragedy, you may need to step back from your normal responsibilities. Give yourself time and space to heal. In addition, there may be underlying hormonal, chemical, or psychological reason for your stress. You may need to see a doctor to work through the causes and cures for your anxiety. There are all practical ways to regulate stress in our lives. 
but don't neglect the spiritual side of the matter. Number three, turn to God in prayer. When you're overcome with anxiety, stress, and loss, more than ever you need to turn to God. He is your ever-present help in times of trouble. The Bible recommends taking everything to Him in prayer. The verse in Philippians offers the comforting promise that as we pray, our minds will be protected by an inexplicable peace. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, that's out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. God promises to give us peace beyond our ability to understand. He also promises us to create beauty from the ashes of our lives as we discover that hope comes from loss and joy springs from times of brokenness and sufferings. Out of Isaiah 61, 1-4. Number four, meditate on the Word of God. The Bible, in fact, is filled with incredible promises from God. Meditating on these words of assurance can dispel or worry, doubt, fear, and stress. Here are just a few examples of the Bible's stress-relieving verses. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. John fourteen twenty seven. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. Psalm 4.8 I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. And number five, spend time giving thanks and praise. A friend once told me, I find that it's imp- almost impossible to be distressed and praise God at the same time. When I'm stressing, I just start praising and the stress just seems to go away. Praise and worship will take our minds off ourselves and our problems and refocus them on God. As we began to praise and worship God, suddenly our problems seem small and light of the largeness of God. Music is also soothing to the soul. Next time you're feeling stressed, try following my friend's advice and see if your stress doesn't begin to lift. Life can be challenging and complicated, and we are much too vulnerable in our human condition to escape the inevitable battles with stress. Yet for Christians, stress can have a positive side too. It may be the first indicator that we have stopped depending upon God daily for strength. We can let stress be a reminder that our lives have drifted away from God, a warning that we need to turn back and cling to the rock of our salvation. So next, I'm going to play you a song, and it's by Tommy Walker and Chelsea Moon, and it's called The Peace of Christ, and here it is. Christ, it holds me. The 
beautiful song. And here is what Tommy stated about this song. The prayer of this song is that God's peace, which is beyond our ability to understand, will hold and surround us in our times of deep need. Again, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. So next I'm going to read you a poem called God's Boxes. I have in my hands two boxes which God gave me to hold. He said, put all your sorrows in the black box and all your joys in the gold. I heeded his word and in the two boxes both my joys and sorrows I stored. But though the gold became heavier each day, the black was as light as before. With curiosity, I opened the black. I wanted to find out why, and I saw in the base of the box a hole which my sorrows had fallen out by. I showed the hole to God and mused, I wondered where my sorrows could be. He smiled a gentle smile and said, My child, they're all here with me. I asked God why he gave me the boxes, why the gold and the black with the hole. My child, the gold is for you you to count your blessings. The black is for you to let go. Ever been to a football game at halftime when the band forms words or pictures in the middle of the field? They look great from up in the stands. But have you thought about what they look like from the sidelines? Pointless, confusing, apparently meaningless. We see life from the sidelines. God sees it in front from the stands. As we gain perspective, we leave the sidelines and start working our way up. G.K. Chesterton's character, Father Brown, said, We are on the wrong side of the tapestry. How true. We see the knots, the snarls, and the frayed underside. But God is on the right side of the tapestry, the side he is weaving into a beautiful work of art. We may not always know what the master artist is doing in our lives, But the important thing is, he does. When we see the all-powerful God on the throne of the universe, God our Father committed to our good, we are relieved of much stress. And the stress we must still experience leaves us far richer. Having a biblical perspective is seeing life through God's eyes. It is seeing order in chaos, use in useless, the good in the bad, If we are to develop eyes to see God's hand in everything, we must believe 
what scripture says about the purpose of stress. Stress is an effective tool in the hands of our God, a tool that is intended both for his glory and our good. So God uses stress to get our attention. God created our bodies. He designed them to send us messages. If I stick my hand in fire, my body will send a message quickly and clearly. If I ignore it, I'll pay the price. C.S. Lewis said, Pain is God's megaphone. Some of us are hard of hearing. We ignore physical, mental, and spiritual warning signs. God wants us to tune our ears to the messages he sends us through our minds and bodies. God uses stress to help us redefine or rediscover our priorities. Bill and Evelyn's marriage relationship was a distant one. They had drifted apart over many years, pouring themselves into their jobs and shortchanging their family. But when their son Jason was found in possession of heroin, the months that followed brought unprecedented crisis and also the desire to pull their marriage back together. Everyone has priorities. Some have never chosen or experienced the right ones and need to redefine them. Others of us have long known the right priorities and merely need to rediscover them. We've tasted right priorities, but we've allowed ourselves to drift away from them. We've replaced fellowship with entertainment, giving with buying, and family time with the television, the lawn, the remodeling job, the causes, and the committees. By abandoning our God-given priorities, we set ourselves up to learn a hard lesson. In essence, we do what the Israelites did, lived in paneled houses while God's house became a ruin. In response, God sent lack of fulfillment, disillusionment, and failure as his messengers. He withheld his blessing till his people rediscovered their priorities. Twice in the Old Testament, God's people are admonished to give careful thought to your ways. Stress should take us back to the basics. It is an opportunity to reevaluate our priorities and bring them in line with God's. God uses stress to draw us to himself. Time and again it was said of the people of Israel, but in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them out of 2 Chronicles 15.4. It was in Jonah's darkest hour, in the most stressful circumstances, that he said this, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me out of Jonah 2.2. The Psalms are filled of references of turning to God, seeking Him and finding Him in times of intense stress. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From His temple, He heard my voice. My cry came before Him into His ears. Out of Psalm 18.6 I call on the Lord in my distress, and He answers me. Out of Psalm 121 When our lives are comfortable and stress-free, too often we withdraw from the Lord into our own worlds of spiritual independence and isolation. Smug and self-satisfied, we forget what life is really all about. But as the thirsty seek for water, those under stress often seek God. Many non-believers have come to Christ and many believers have returned to Him in times of stress. God uses stress to discipline us. Quoting Solomon's word to his son, the writer of Hebrews offers what he calls a word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship and discipline, God is treating you as sons. Hebrews 12, 5-7 
The, the word son, of course, is generic for child and applies equally to God's daughters. To some of us, those don't sound so encouraging, but we fail to reckon, realize how essential discipline is. Scripture says that to withhold discipline from a child is, in essence, child abuse. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to dis- discipline him, out of Proverbs 13.24. Discipline is corrective. It is remedial, not revengeful. God sends stresses not to get back at us for doing wrong, but to deepen our dependence on Him in order to do right. Though the stressful experience may seem excruciating at the time, it is ultimately all for good. God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it, out of Hebrews 12, 10-11. And God uses stress to strengthen our faith. 1 Peter 1, 7 tells us, These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. There is only one way a muscle grows, through stress. A muscle that is rarely exercised shrinks into uselessness. A muscle seldom stretched beyond its usual limits can only maintain itself. It cannot grow. To grow, a muscle must be taxed. Unusual demands must be placed upon it. Stress is a demand placed upon our faith. Without it, our faith will not, cannot, grow. Ever seen grass grow through asphalt? It's amazing if you think about it. How does grass, pressed flat and robbed of light, persevere and break through hard ground? Yet we've seen it. Somehow God makes those tiny blades of grass to rise to the greatest challenge. In the crucible of stress, as we draw on our resources in Christ, He gives us faith and strength to crack through and rise above the asphalt coat of life under the curse. So next, I want to play you an audio clip from Billy Graham called... How to replace worry with joy. And here it is. You know, worry in this country is at an all-time high. And a, a, a doctor at the Mayo Clinic said a few weeks ago, quote, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, and the glands, and the whole nervous system, and profoundly affects the health. And Jesus is promising all the time to replace the worry with joy, his joy. He said that your joy may be full. You remember when the hurricane bell was pounding its way up the Atlantic? The national weather map, if you remember, showed a 25-mile swath of complete calm precisely in the center of that hurricane. And that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, in the midst of the hurricane of life, in the midst of the storms of life, I can give you peace. He said, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but I've spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the center of the hurricane is a place of calm. And that's what Christ brings in the middle of your life. He doesn't remove the hurricane, but he gives peace in the middle of it. Wow. God doesn't remove the hurricane, but he gives you peace in the middle of it. (laughs) That's something to remember. 
Next, I'd like to end the episode today by a little story called God Said. And here it is. It says, Dear Child, I heard you cry last night. I was there in the darkness when the tears slipped down your face and your heart broke within you. Did you think I didn't see and didn't care? Do you really think I don't know how tired and weary you really are? Child, I've been with you when life has dealt its bitterest blows. I've watched you handle all the sorrow and all the pain, but you are weary now, and I can see the broken spirit and the faded hopes and dreams. Please don't forget that I care. My touch and caress can restore and mend your broken heart and kindle the flame of hope once more within you. Let me love you. Take down the barricades around your heart and lean on me. I am not tired and I am not weary, and I have the strength enough to carry you if you will let me. You are not alone, and you never have been, for I am your friend and I will never ever leave your side. Trust me, your friend Jesus. And so that does bring us to the end of our episode today. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the path you're on with him and that you do embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on what is a living sacrifice. Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week. 